I think I'd like to just um, have a couple of people who might just act out this this uh, parable really quickly. Are there a couple of people who don't don't need to speak but just love miming? Uh, I need a widow and I need a, a judge. Uh, any 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 offers? Oh, Ian Nunn, just being offered by Joanna. You can be the judge. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Welcome, Ian. Up. That means I just need. Um, unless you're going to be the widow, I think I'll have a, a widow. Anyone want to be a widow? Anyone? Oh, Nikki, great. Okay, Nikki, give a big round of applause to Nikki. So here we've got a, a widow and a judge. And the basics of the story is, in case you weren't really listening very clearly, is that we've got an unjust judge and we've got a widow who has had an injustice against her and she wants justice. And she goes to the judge and pleads for justice. And he is not interested. He says no. So she has to go away. And then she goes back again and pleads again for justice. And he is not interested. And he says no. And she goes away. And then she goes again and pleads for justice. And he is disinterested. He is more interested in something on the ground than her justice and then she tries again and again and again and again he is not interested until she keeps trying she keeps going back and one day he is so annoyed and it says in the text even is she going to beat me Um, because he just is so frustrated with her He provides justice to her, and her wish is granted, and she's the winner. Wow, that was so good. Thank you very much. You can both sit down. I think I'm always hoping. I used to have a public speaking coach when I was in London, and the public speaking coach would come to the TOTS group on a Thursday and would say to the people in the TOTS group, do you remember anything that Simon was talking about on the Sunday? And I would be there right next to them as they were sort of really embarrassed about having often to say he couldn't remember anything that he spoke about. And it really helped me try and solidify that I want you to be able to remember on Thursday if somebody comes up to you and says, what was that about? Can you remember? Okay, this, you will remember these two, at least you remember, because they enacted out that story really well. You should be like an HH drama group or something, you two. I could really see that happening. Now, the, the, the Bibles have two ways of telling us about this story. One of the ways in some Bibles is described as the heading as the unrighteous judge, And in other Bibles, it's called the persistent widow. And I'd like to suggest to you today that the way to understand this story is the persistent widow is the key character and not so much the unrighteous judge. And that's because this is a story about prayer story about prayer, but God is not necessarily completely like the unjust judge, but we 
are meant to be like the persistent widow. Who are we meant to be like? The persistent widow. Is God like the judge? No. How do we know it's all about the persistent widow rather than the unjust judge? There are a couple of ways we know that. First of all, Jesus explains this parable even before it's begun. You know, you have some parables, you have, you're left with trying to work out what does it mean, and it's not explained in the, in the Bible. Other parables, Jesus explains it afterwards. This one, he explains it even before he's begun the parable. He says, it says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. So actually Luke explains it before. They should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not lose heart. They should always pray and not give up. So it's about the persistent widow. The second reason we're not meant to exactly correlate God with the judge is because the judge is not a great example to us. I mean, if you're a parent, you probably have had those occasions, haven't you, where a child comes up to you and says, please, 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 can I have a biscuit? And you go, no, no, you can't. You just wait for your, wait for your meal time. Please, can I have a biscuit? No, uh, wait for meal time. Please, can I have a biscuit? No, wait for meal time. And finally, you just, you just give in, and then you give them uh, a biscuit. But it means that next time they ask, they're much more likely to ask you for, for the biscuits. So you've actually created yourself quite a problem and so that's not necessarily a great way of being, and that's not how we should be in relation to God, trying to persist until we force his arm, until he finally gives up, because he really is horrible, and we've finally allowed him to be nice to us because we've annoyed him so much. That's not the way the parable should be intended to be read. And the other reason is, it says that the judge is not God-fearing. So he doesn't like God himself. So God is not like him because he doesn't like God. So that doesn't really work. And finally, it says in Luke chapter 12, this about God. Uh, Luke 12, 32. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. It is the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. So you don't have to be there when you're praying, trying to pull down something from something good from God, who doesn't really want to give it to you, but reluctantly releases it to you, because it says, Jesus says, it is his pleasure. It is his pleasure. He wants to give the kingdom. He wants to see the kingdom advance. It's not something you have to pull from God reluctantly. So this is all about the persistent widow, and not saying that God's character is such that he reluctantly gives us things. So that's the, the way to understand this parable. There's two things that we can take from it in relation to prayer. And one is that when you pray, it makes a difference. When you pray, it makes a difference. And secondly, Pray about something that's really worth asking for. Pray because it makes a difference. There are different worldviews in our world that you, you can have. There's a worldview um, of fate. The worldview of fate is that 
if, you, if something's going to happen, then it's just going to happen and we can't influence it. That's a fatalistic worldview. A lot of our world have that type of worldview. Well, if it happens, it will just happen. It's got no, I can't influence it. It's just going to happen. We make no difference to a fatalistic worldview. That's not the worldview of Jesus. Another worldview is that everything's just by chance. Everything happens just randomly. And there's no overarching story to the world. There's no purpose to the world. It's just all random chance. That's not the worldview of Jesus either. The worldview that this parable gives us, that Jesus gives us, is explained like this by Mike Lloyd in the book Cafe Theology. Not everything that happens is the will of God, but the will of God will be worked out in and through, and sometimes despite everything that happens, there is an overarching story, there is a goal to which God is working that ultimately will not be denied, and we are invited to play our part in realizing that purpose to contribute to that story, to nudge the bits of creation along for which we are responsible in the direction of the destiny for which they are destined. So what Mike Lloyd is saying here is there is a big story to the universe. God has the big plans in place, but we can contribute to the detail of what happens in the universe. We can contribute to the detail of what happens here in Hastings and St. Leonard's and Bexhill and in our villages. We can contribute to the detail of our lives. We can make a difference, not just in our actions, but also in our prayers. Because the persistent widow, by her persistent, made a change to what happened. Jesus is saying, pray, and pray again, and then pray again, and pray again, and don't lose heart, and be persistent in your prayers. Don't lose heart. And the only reason that you, can't, you shouldn't lose heart is because it will make a difference. Because otherwise, our prayers are absolutely useless, and we don't need to carry on. But if they are going to make a difference, then persist and carry on. There's a passage in, in Jonah where God sends Jonah to Nineveh and, and Nineveh is this town of a city of around 120,000 people and, and Jonah goes to them and says, repent and change because you're going to face destruction and you'll be overwhelmed. And then it says that they listened to Jonah and then God relented. So God's plans were somehow influenced, that the plans of the world were influenced by the actions of the people in Nineveh. God, God, God was responsive to what happened. And that is an incredible thing for us to know that 
God is wanting to weave you into his plans for the world. He's wanting to weave your prayers for your locality, for your neighbors, for your children, for your parents. He's wanting to weave them in into his design for the world and what's going to happen to the world. And Mike Lloyd continues like this. God's plans are not inflexible. That means they're flexible. They do not happen regardless of who we are and how we choose to live and how we act and how we pray. He uses our decisions and our determination to bring about his objectives. His plans not only take account of our choices and decisions, but they incorporate them. And that's incredible good news, is that, that God he listens to your prayer, he incorporates it, and he then helps change the world through it. And so your prayers absolutely make a difference. Uh, so therefore, don't lose heart, Jesus is saying. Keep praying. You might be so tired of praying a prayer. You might have prayed a prayer day after day after day, month after month, even year after year, and you've not seen the result of it. But Jesus is telling you, don't give up. Don't lose heart. Keep praying. And somehow, in a way that we can't understand, God is taking that prayer and incorporating it and weaving it into the way he is working. And things then change. So prayer makes a difference. And the second thing we can get from this is that pray about something that is worth praying about. This is how John Piper, the Bible teacher, talks about this parable. He says, The widow inspires us. She continued asking over and over again in accordance with what she thought was right, regardless of whether she really knew that judge would do what she was asking. She knew she had something that was worth asking, and that sooner or later God would make everything right in the world one way or another. She had something that she was desperate about. I mean, Nikki, in her way of acting this out, was just on her knees. She was desperate. The widow, who had no influence, who had nothing to offer, was absolutely on her knees, desperate to see an answer. We need things in our life where we go, God, I need you to work in this situation. Well, things are, it would be nice, God, it would be nice if you did this, but it doesn't really matter that much. Or even, uh, kind of working my way along with this anyway, and it'd be nice if you helped a little bit. No, we need causes. We need situations. We need things to see change that we go, we have to keep praying about this. We have to see God working. If we don't see him working, we're done. The writer Thomas Merton says, what is the use of praying if at the very moment of prayer we have so little confidence in God that we're busy planning 
our own kind of answer to our prayer. If we're really planning our own answer to get this through, is it really worth petitioning God on that thing? Let's set God some amazing challenges that we mountains to be moved. Things that inspire us so much that we desperately get onto our knees and ask over and over and over and over again. There's an acronym, uh, PUSH. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Keep praying. Keep pushing in prayer. When we, Sir and I, moved down here to try and help this church be revitalized, we had a, a vision for this church. But it was so big, because the church was so dead, there was uh, nothing really here, and just antagonism uh, from the small number of people who were here, and just really dislike of us. We just needed to pray. It was like a big challenge for us. And now we're at a stage of we're all here together. We're like, well, we need God to do something amazing now. I mean, what's the vision? What's your vision for this church in five years' time, ten years' time? Looking and seeing what he's done already, what is the thing we get onto our knees about for the next bit of the future? A number of years ago, some of you were here when we were trying to put in a, a, a proposal to buy 12 Claremont opposite, uh, the, just next to the library. And we talked about it a lot. And I remember just going around this church, praying and praying for a place on the street opposite and kept looking at the old YMCA place and saying, hey God, is that the one? Is that the one you're going to give to us? Because we need this place to be a blessing for Hastings. And I prayed so much. Prayed, we prayed so much for a place. And, you know, seven years in, we still did not have a place. But we kept praying. And so we were so delighted when the property became available last year and we kept praying that it would actually become available the uh, holders place that we've now announced that we have bought as a church and we were so pleased that God kept it for us and it was even better than the place that we'd been looking at and it felt we you know we prayed and we persevered for seven eight years for that place and now I think thank you God I feel like our prayers made a difference. I don't think it would have become available. It was, as I've said a few weeks ago, it was exactly pretty much the same price as the place that we we sold. Oh, that's amazing, isn't it? That It just happened to be pretty much the same place. And we were able to sell it at the time when the property prices were really a problem and inflation rates, um, we just did it before the inflation rates increased. Oh, thank you, God. I feel like our prayers made a difference. So the parable of the persistent widow tells us your prayers make a difference. Don't stop praying. Don't lose heart. Keep going, but find something to pray about. 
that is really worth asking God for and getting on your knees for day by 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 day until you can say, God heard my prayer. And Jesus says to us something which is captured here in the last few words of this passage. However, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes again, will he find faith on the earth? And my prayer is that when the Son of Man comes again, I don't know when that will be, might be tomorrow, might be a thousand years' time, but he will find faith here in Hastings and St. Leonard's. He will find faith in the villages around. He will find a people who know that prayer makes a difference and will be like the persistent widow. who just keep going on, praying and praying and never losing heart. Let's stand together.